What's up, everybody? This is the second episode of the Sandalmine Podcast Experience. And today I have someone that I'm really excited to be speaking with because this is actually the first time we speak on the phone. But she's been amazing on the Sandalmine app, and she has the number one show on the app. And it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's actually one of my favorites as well. It's Tuesdays with Tammy. I think she's very intelligent. She's bright. Um, I really like her her energy, her attitude. She's very positive. I I actually listen to all the content that she sends over, and like I said, it's actually my favorite. And I even asked her one time. I said, "Have you done this before? Have you been a host on a radio show or something? Because this is really good." And I think she said that. I think she said this was actually her first time. But uh, so let's find out from Tammy. This is Tammy Muhammad. She's out of Winter Springs, Florida. I hope I didn't mess that up. But um, yeah, I'll let Tammy introduce herself and let all our fans know who she is. All right. So um, I'm Tammy Muhammad. I'm a licensed mental health counselor here in Florida. Um, I am also a clinical supervisor. So I provide uh, supervision for registered interns that are in the process of becoming um, independent licensed clinicians. Um, also licensed in Colorado as a as a licensed professional counselor. Um, I work um, with an insurance company right now, and I also have a private practice where I see clients um, on an individual and couples uh, do couples counseling as well. Um, I I don't know. Um, let's see. Um, well, I I have a I have a question. I have yeah. a question. It's actually two part. Okay. But you said you, you, you live in Florida and you're mm -hmm. licensed in Colorado. Uh, is there any reason that you're licensed in Colorado as opposed to any other states? Um, right now, actually, I also provide, like, virtual services. So I do, like, online counseling. Um, like, I don't know if you've heard of, like, Talkspace. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I provide counseling services there. And whenever you're counseling with your clients, you have to be licensed in the state that they reside. Uh, um, gotcha. And Colorado was just one of the states that I had, um, uh, I guess, started the process of getting licensed because I just want to make sure that, you know, providing services mm -hmm. as ethically and, and um, responsibly as I can. So, did, yeah. Did you, uh, are you from Colorado? Uh, no, I'm actually from the U.S. Virgin Islands, but um, I've um, been there a few times. I uh, had a very close friend that lived there, visited there, um, and worked there for a little bit um, oh, for okay. a summer assignment once. Oh, there you go. That makes sense. So, I, I, you know, you, you told us what you do and stuff, but I, I'm also curious, what what made you decide to become a therapist? Oh, interesting. Um, so, being from the Virgin Islands, uh, the school that I attended, the high school I attended, it's very small. Like, my senior class had 14 people. So small. Wow. Yeah. Ridiculously small. Um, so, we didn't have a lot of, like, electives and stuff like that. I remember this one year, they were trying to come up with interesting electives that we could, that we could take, and uh, psychology was one of them, intro to psych. And I remember taking it because I just thought it was kind of interesting, you know. Um, hadn't really heard much about it. Mental health wasn't something that was spoken a lot about in the islands. Um, and I took it, I took the class along with like one other kid. It was me and one friend of mine. And wow. um, yeah, <laughs> and I absolutely fell in love. I just felt like this was what I was supposed to be doing. And some, I didn't know in what, um, mm -hmm. what kind of role I would be in, but I just knew that whatever I did, it had to deal with like human behavior. That was, that was my thing. So that's when, so it was in high school, senior year when you fell in love with, I guess, psychology. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I uh, majored in, in psychology in undergrad. Um, and then after that, I made the decision on which path I wanted to take. Um, and I was just drawn to counseling, um, and that's I, I started and I just I just never stopped. <laughs> wow. Well, that's that sounds like similar to like my little story, right. although I stopped at senior year when um, when I found out how much psychologists and therapists make, which was a big mistake because I, I took a psychology class. Uh, I think it was senior year of high school mm -hmm. or maybe mm -hmm. freshman year of college. I, I, I don't remember, mm -hmm. but I loved it. I loved psychology and. I think uh, one of our, one of the, the, like the deans or whoever helps you, you know, with your 
day to day in college or or uh, high school. I forgot what you call them. Uh, advisors. Okay. They yeah. were going through, you know, who makes the what what majors make the most money mm-hmm. outside of outside of college. Mm-hmm. And uh, psychology was like way at the bottom of the list. Uh, so that's when I said, oh, you know, yeah. forget this. Because <laughs> as a kid, I just thought, oh, I just want to make money. I just want to make money. And big mistake. I learned I learned the hard way that it's not about making money. It's about you know loving being happy and loving what you do. Right, right. Yeah, I actually never we didn't have advisors in our high school. Isn't that crazy? But we had no advisors. It was kind of like up to your so you just had to figure it out. Um, and I didn't know how much you could make in the field. Like I didn't know how low the pay was. Mm-hmm. So I went in blind eyed, you know, naive, just doe eyed um, and found out like halfway through uh, the program just about how much <laughs> I be making. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be okay. Yeah, and, it, and it was, it has been okay. Um, the field has been, it's been great. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's like a big concern, I guess, of some, you know, some therapists, I guess, is how much they make because you have to, you know, you have to make a living. So that, that kind of takes me into, you know, it kind of takes me off, off of, uh, I mean, in line with the, with the podcast, but talking about salaries and stuff. So could you, I guess, explain a little to, a little to us of how the salaries work? What kind of jobs can you get? Do you, you know, is it private practice? Do you do online? Can you work at a, a clinic or a hospital? Um, all of the above. Uh, let's see. Uh, with, let's say, uh, a master's degree in counseling or social work, um, you, it can be as low as 27000 You can go up to as high wow. as, you know, um, sixty, depending on what you're doing. Um, you can work in community mental health where it's like those community mental health clinics where people get it, uh, go in for maybe lower cost services. You can do uh, case management. I, I worked in case management for a while in, in the foster care system, um, okay. coordinating services for kids and stuff like that, which it's not really in – it's in the field, but, like, indirectly. Um, mm. You can work, depending on your licensure, um, like if you're a licensed clinical social worker, you can work, like, with the VA doing counseling. Um, and uh, – the pay isn't, it's not that great. Any, anywhere you go, it's not really that great. Um, unless you're in private practice and in private practice, you kind of get to set your own fee. It depends. It's, it's really important to look at the market and see what other therapists are charging mm-hmm. in your area. I try to, for me personally, I try to be affordable, uh, but mm-hmm. also not undervalue uh, my services. Um, yeah. I do totally understand what it's like. And I, I can attest to, uh, only earning in the twenties, you know, and needing to see a therapist to myself and feeling like I couldn't afford it. So I always keep that in uh, mind. Yeah, um, I do offer like, for me. I offer um, a limited number of like pro bono appointments at one of the local universities here because I get what it's like to be a college student um, mm. struggling. Um, you can also work like uh, I also do work with like insurance company. You can do like utilization review where you kind of review clinical information and make determination determinations on like authoring, uh, authorizing services and things like that. There's a lot of different areas you can go when you work in the um, for a little while. I also did a, a contract, um, a contracted opportunity with um, I worked for a contractor that had a. Uh, with the Department of Defense, and I did like uh, military and family life counseling, uh, where we got sent to different military installations overseas and in the U.S. to do kind of like informal uh, counseling services with service mm-hmm. members, with uh, different uh, military um, service members and their families and things like that. That was the coolest experience I think ever. Yeah, I was going to say that it sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was super awesome. It was great. Um, very informal. I got to work with kids. I got to work with adults. It was it was awesome. But there's a lot that you can do in the field. It's not mm-hmm. uh, just cut and dry, black and white. Definitely, I'm going to go into private practice. There's a lot of different ways that you can be in the field, you know, with a counseling degree um, and mm-hmm. make a difference. So your degree, your you have a master's degree in counseling. Um, I have a. A dual master's. I have a master's in mental health counseling and marriage and family therapy. 
Um, okay. And gotcha. right now I'm working on my PhD in advanced studies in human behavior. Oh, wow. How long, how much longer till you're done with that? Uh, I am actually maybe two courses and dissertation away. That's it. Oh, nice. Congratulations. I didn't know that. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I keep telling, like my, everyone asks me, my, my family, my friends are like, do you, are, are you just, you just like to torture yourself? And I'm like, no, I just really <laughs> like learning. I really do. Um, yeah. So, and and my, my goal is always to go, give back to the community in some way. And I feel like having an advanced degree is going to help me help others. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, what other things are, what are you trying to do once you get the, get the PhD? Um, I definitely at some point want to, I for sure want to teach at the graduate level. I do want to teach like master's level programs. Um, I also want to go back home eventually to the Virgin Islands and establish some sort of, um, mental health program there. Um, the talk is, is there now there's, there's, you know, there's the whispers and, and there's, you know, um, Pub, um, publicity being given to like mental health issues and mental illness and the awareness is starting to come um, they don't even have like a licensing board for counselors there yet and things like that they do for like social workers and psychologists but not for mm -hmm. counselors and that's also in uh -huh. the works so I'm looking forward to seeing everything you know come to fruition and then being able to go back and give back to the community that I think you know raised me pretty well yeah so so they so there are no counselors over there now because there's no licensor license. Um, there are some counselors that have like the the NCC certification with like that national clinical counselor certification. Okay. Uh, but it's it's kind of limited, you know. And I think a lot of counselors who want to go back to the Virgin Islands, they want the the assurance that there's a, a board that's kind of governing our practice, and there's mm -hmm. you know a gatekeeper that makes sure that that everyone is practicing ethically and following the rules and keeping up on their, you know, a continuing ed education, things like that. So having the, the board is not just about, you know, having a license and then being able to like accept insurance and things like that, but it's more about making sure that there's a gatekeeper, you know, clocking our activities and making sure that we're, you know, performing ethically and, and, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you need counseling, you have to see a psychologist now? Down there, yeah, you have to see a psychologist. There's a couple of counselors, and I, I, I know a couple of counselors down there that are practicing with their like NCC certification. Um, there's there's options. Um, yeah. There's a community mental health clinic as well. Um, so there's there's options, but it's it's limited, you know. Can um, can they access uh, the services in the in the U.S. like uh, like a talk space? Oh yeah, definitely they can. Yeah. Oh, okay, so. Does does Talkspace have any? So because you were you were saying if you if you do counseling you know through text over um, in Colorado mm -hmm. you have to be licensed in Colorado. Mm -hmm. But what about if someone if you do talk therapy with someone text therapy with someone in the U.S. Virgin Islands? How does that work? You have to be licensed over there. I don't. You wouldn't have to be licensed there. Um, but I think that you would just like the counselors that are providing service. Services would just need to make sure that their uh, governing board and in their state that they don't have any restrictions when it comes to taking quote unquote international clients. Okay. Um, because I guess they would kind of qualify just because they don't have an established board there. Um, mm -hmm. But I think one of the ways is that that NCC certification is one of the ways that people um, kind of get around those limitations. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I didn't know any of that stuff. Well, I didn't know a lot of stuff about, you know, the psychology and all this uh, counseling and the boards because I'm, I'm just new to this, trying to do something uh, to help out in my own little way, build a little company here and uh, try to help people that um, either can't get any help or are looking for a therapist. But um, so how do you, why do you think the conversation has started in the U.S. Virgin Islands, do you think uh, it's because of the Internet or it's just people have gotten, I guess, tired of suffering themselves or maybe seeing suicide and they just started opening up? I think all of the above. Um, uh, definitely exposure to television, to the Internet, 
um, having access to seeing what's going on up here and how much of a conversation it is and how loud the conversation is about mental illness um, in the mainland. And then witnessing, you know, the treatment that residents down there have um, when it comes to having mental illness, there's not a lot, there's not a lot, you know, and it's, mm. it's a very commonplace situation where you have um, the majority of like the homeless population down there uh, is mentally ill. Uh, they do receive services. And a lot of times it's just when, you know, they've decompensated to the point where it's acute and they need to go inpatient, they need to go to the emergency room and get, you know, stabilized that they get any treatment and the follow-up and having them, you know, go to outpatient care afterwards, it doesn't, it doesn't really happen. Um, mm -hmm. As well as there have been some suicides. Um, there have been, um, you know, some of our residents that have enlisted in the military have been in active combat, have come back and they're experiencing PTSD and they have limited resources. So they're experiencing it in their own lives. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and then to, to add in, you know, they're exposed to natural disaster every year, you know, every yeah. year is that hurricane uh, season. And there's, um, you know, it, your homes are damaged, your businesses are damaged, your, your way of life is, is you know, halted at, in some ways. Um, so they're experiencing, you know, depression associated with that and anxiety and, and some, you know, post-traumatic type um, responses to, to that experience. And people just, they need help and they realize, you know, I need to talk to somebody or, you know, my, my loved one needs to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, it's personal experience and exposure to the media, all of the above, everything is coming into kind of like making it a louder conversation and not something that's swept under the rug. It's not something that we just whisper about or pretend that it's not there anymore. Um, it's in your face now. Yeah. And what do you, wh why do you think there's been such a stigma behind mental health when I, I don't know I think you know the, I think if the brain is the you know it, it runs everything um, in your body and it runs you so why wouldn't people you know think of it as like a cool thing to work on your mental health or see a therapist like seeing a per, like having a personal trainer why is it that there's a stigma be, behind mental health well it's <sighs> It's admitting that we're flawed, right? And anytime anyone hears or says something like that, they think, well, something's wrong with me. If I need, if I can't get through the day without someone helping me through the day, you know, something's mm -hmm. wrong with me. Something's missing. Um, I'm incomplete. Something, you know, like a lot of, I know for me growing up, I remember the message being, you know, life's tough, life's hard, you know, things happen, mm -hmm. suck it up get through it you know yeah um but you would look at the people that were giving you that that mess and they were struggling themselves but they just weren't aware you know or you know yeah. there, was, there was a level of ignorance there which not i'm not saying it in a bad way because you know mm -hmm. usually there's a negative connotation to using the word ignorance but just there was a lack of knowledge about why they kept repeating the same patterns in their lives why you know relationships kept failing or why there was always conflict and and strain you know family relations and things like that the awareness just the insight and awareness just wasn't there um so in an ignorant manner they kind of just pushed it on to us you know and and you're fine you're going to be fine and the minute that you actually have to go get help something's you know something's wrong you're less mm -hmm. than um, you're not strong you're not competent you're you know it's and then that message, we would play that message over and over in our brains, right? So then if I ever feel overwhelmed, I'm probably going to hesitate because only people who are crazy, you know, that's the message that yeah. I got. Only people that are crazy yeah. need therapy. Only people that mean something's wrong or something's missing. Someone has to be really messed up to go to counseling. Mm -hmm. um, so then there's shame, you know, there's a shame about seeking services and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's it's... I think just patterns that get repeated and, and messages that we keep repeating to ourselves and it kind of like um, we perpetuate this, this cycle of negative thinking about ourselves, about, you know, just messages that the world has given us about seeking help. Like we're supposed to be independent. We're supposed to be able to do it all. Um, yeah. And I think I've touched on that before, um, you know, in yeah. one of the 
episodes. Like, the message we get is we're supposed to be fully functional, independent, and able to just figure it all out. But no one has a manual for life. No one has a manual for figuring out how to manage, you know, I mean, breakups and, you know, mm-hmm. death, <laughs> yeah. you know, loss. And yeah, so it's, it's a yeah, long it's history. Just... It's a long history of, of, of ignorance and, and, you know, negative messages being perpetuated. But yeah. Yep, and yeah. just people getting used to the same message, like you said, you know, the pattern, yeah. the pattern message, and and it's true. I never really thought about that, but yeah, we don't have a a manual to help us deal with death or or breakups. And when it when it does happen, or when it did happen, you know, your friend or you know a family member just tells you, "Ah, oh, don't worry, you'll get over it. It'll be alright. Or just do mm-hmm. this, go out." And there's never really anything concrete there, so. You kind of just bury those feelings or say, you know, in, in my case, I just say, oh, well, I'm stronger than that. Mind over matter. But then you don't know that those feelings are still are still somewhere there and you haven't really dealt with them. So then they, they, they come out in other ways. So that right. that's really it's really a terrible way to deal with it. But with with the Internet now talking about stigma, do you mm-hmm. think it's enough what's going on? You know, just just having the post on Instagram or Twitter um, you know, to, to remove this stigma or like, do we need to do more? And, and if we do need to do more, like what more can we do to, you know, educate people on mental illness and that it's okay, that it's normal. It's not anything crazy. It's just like having a physical illness. Um, because, you know, when I'm on Twitter and I see Twitter or LinkedIn, anywhere, any social mm-hmm. um, media mm-hmm. company uh, app, there are conversations that come up about mental health and there are still a lot of people in the comments that are saying, ah, you get over it, you know, mm-hmm. just got to be strong. So like, how do you, how do you spread the message? Like what more can we do to make these people understand? Like, listen, it's not just that easy. Right. And it's the, it's these kinds of conversations. It's conversations like we're having right now. It's conversations that you can have with your coworker, with your family members. Um, it's becoming educated yourself, you know, doing a little bit of research uh, mm-hmm. and, and sharing and spreading, you know, spreading the wealth. Um, sometimes people just haven't had the conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or they haven't heard a different perspective. And it, it really helps to help, you know what I mean, to, to help other people think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get so used to our routines and our, you know, the people in our lives and our circles we don't usually get a new brand, like fresh perspective. Um, yeah. <laughs> so feeling comfortable and that's what it's because a lot of us are uncomfortable having that conversation, but just feeling comfortable enough to openly talk to people about mental health um, and trying to, I don't like really to use the word normal, but normalize. Mm-hmm. Everyone experiences some sort of challenge related to mental health. We we're all sad. Uh, we're all yeah angry you know we all lose uh people relationships um we struggle uh, and it's okay you know and that's the thing it's it's saying it's okay it's it's okay to to not know what to do next it's okay to feel this way um and if i can't help you and if you can't help yourself it's okay to find someone an objective third party that can help mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that's, I mean, I agree with everything, everything you said, you know, I was just, I was thinking of my experiences, you know, when, when you were, when you were talking um, just now and just a lot of my experiences come from like jobs that I had and throughout right. my career. And I think that's another big issue with mental health because, you know, it's, it's weird to call out and say, hey. You know, I'm feeling down today or I'm depressed Mm -hmm. and I really can't get out of bed or can't go to work. I mean, I can, but, you know, I won't be performing at 100 percent because Mm -hmm. I'm just not myself. But you can't do that. So you have to, you know, in my case, I would have to lie and say I'm not I have have a cold or I got the flu or whatever lie I would make Mm up. Mm -hmm. And it 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 sucks because the days that that I'm very, you know, I'm I'm feeling 100 percent. I kick ass at work, but the right. days that, that I'm down, depressed, um, you know, right. you can you can sense it because I'm I'm not my normal chirpy self speaking mm-hmm. to other employees. I'm just I'm just down and out. And I think companies need to understand that. And 
I, I don't know if this is too much to ask, but you know, they give like three days for, for sickness. You should mm-hmm. give like six days, like six mental health days as well, because I think that's more important. I can, I'd rather go to work with a cold than when I just don't want to be around anybody. Right. You know? Right. No, definitely. I've worked through, I have worked through physical illness. Um, no problem, you know, mm-hmm. um, but depression, anxiety, that kind of stuff. You, you, a lot of times we just have to suck it up and go to work um, because yeah. not every, not every workplace, not every company, not every organization is sensitive to that, that type of um, situation. You know, because I work in mental health, um, I've been lucky enough that the companies that I have worked for, they are understanding because we, we, you know, we we're working behavioral health, like we get it. Um, but I, but I have, you know, coworkers, um, that don't work in the behavioral health field. And I have family members and friends who have struggled and have to do the same thing. Um, they have to lie, you know, they have to prove that they're sick or that, you know, their car didn't start or whatever, um, in order to be able to take a, a day off. And that's where if we keep having these conversations, you know, in the workplace, if we have these conversations with our friends, with our families, it's going to start to change things. People are going to start to realize, hey, you know, when, you know, when Tom comes into work and he's, you know, on a hundred, you know, we're good. Everything's great. Um, but the other day when he was struggling because, you know, whatever was going on in his personal life, work suffered, you know, and, mm-hmm. and productivity suffered and morale <laughs> suffered. It's, it's going to take a lot more, uh, a lot more conversations. Um, I think it's yeah. really helpful. A lot of workplaces, sometimes they have like lunch and learn situations where they have like different professionals and different, you know, um, different fields and different things to come in and, and have little presentations for uh, the employees and things like that. It'd be, it'd be really nice to see more mental health type um, lunch and learn type of situations where uh, work uh, employees can come in, you know, eat, learn, talk, and further the conversation amongst themselves and with their loved ones and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we're in a tough position. We're in a tough position where our hands are tied sometimes. And yeah, you just you have to figure out how to work the system in order to get that <laughs> update, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. I hate saying yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. But it's, it's the unfortunate truth of our situation right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then, and then if you do, if you do lie or when you do lie to get the day off, you know, nobody who, you know, whoever you spoke to in HR or if you spoke to the CEO because you're a small company and they think you're lying, they don't think you're lying because, oh, you know, they might be depressed. That's why I can't understand that. They think you're lying because you were out late last night or you just don't want to come into work. So then it makes it double, it makes it double worse. Double worse. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I mean, and it's good to, to try to figure out what your company's policy is or their stance is on mental health days and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people are always worried about asking that because they don't want their employer to think, well, oh, something's wrong with me. You know, why am I asking? But I mean, mm-hmm. if things happen, you know, um, yeah, you get bereavement days and things like that where someone passed away and you get a couple of days here or there. Um, but outside of, uh, you know, such a drastic situation, we need to have a couple of days here or there. To be able yeah. to recharge, you know, and depending on, on your industry and what you do, it'd be nice to be able to work from home one day, you know. Um, oh, yeah, makes, of course. You know, that makes things a lot easier to be able to, to do it from home, you know, in your PJs and T-shirts and sweats so or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to put on a face for everyone. You just got to get the work done and keep it moving. And sometimes you're able to do that. Sometimes you're not. Um, but it's it's back to the conversation. We've got to have these conversations. Yeah, you're right. And and the especially those, you know, the lunch and learns that you spoke of. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the best place to have them because you're in front of, you know, oh, yeah. a bunch of people at the company and they can start getting the conversation going themselves and then maybe things can change. I actually wanted to start do I wanted to start doing that here in New York with uh, through Sanomine. Like, you know, I have I know a couple of therapists here in New York that um, would do it with me. Right. But I'm just so busy now. And to start you know, um, looking up HR people on LinkedIn and trying to pitch them and all this. So I kind of put that on the back burner until Sanomine 
has like a, a, a bigger name or it's more well known. Um, but I do, I think that's one thing I, I really want to do all over the country because, you know, right. you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have, I'm trying to have every therapist on Sound of Mind. But if I have a mm-hmm. couple in each state, you know, we could do these at uh, a lot of different companies and it's a win-win for everybody. Right. But, right. It, it would be helpful for, for therapists to also take that in- initiative and try to kind of like educate the in their community, you know what I mean? Yes. You never know whose life you can change just by doing a little informal 15, 20-minute presentation on just, like, the importance of, like, you know, uh, mental health first aid and things like that so that, at, at, you know, at these different um, businesses in your community, you might change the mindset of, of upper management. You might change the, the perspective of an employee that was considering getting counseling and things like that. Um, so you, you're saying that, and I'm thinking, you know what, that's actually a really good idea to kind of take that initiative and, and try to um, promote education and awareness in your own community. Yeah, and and even if you, you know, if you touch one person, mm-hmm. let's say you're in front of 40 people at a company, if you touch one person, that person might start talking to their friend at work, mm-hmm. th- then three of them get together, start talking, mm-hmm. then it spreads. So it's like, it's a little, it's a little ripple effect. So it, right. but it does, you know, one little half hour lunch and learn, you know, causes a huge like ripple effect turning yeah. into tsunami. And it's going back again to what you're saying, you know, getting that conversation going. It sounds so simple, but you know, it's, it's a little hard to actually get it started. But I, I think, I think now, you know, it, it's happening more yeah. and more, and I'm excited to see, you know, the future of of mental health. Um, but, yeah, talking about we, we touched – I know well, I was touching upon, like, the Twitter, LinkedIn, and right. people, people being negative about mental health and the stigma. Today – well, every day. I'm, I'm in social media every day for Santa Mine and myself, and I see a lot of negativity and a lot of – a lot of people respond to negativity and, you know, I, I, I will do a, like a, what they call like an AB test in marketing. I'll put positive posts and then I'll put something maybe a little controversial and the positive post doesn't get any, any conversation going, but the controversial post gets a conversation going. And, and if you go on LinkedIn or Twitter and you see, or Instagram, you'll see negative posts or controversial posts about politics or, or whatever. And those conversations are in the thousands of replies. But positivity, maybe, you know, if you're really, really, really um, like a celebrity like Will Smith, you know, he'll get a lot of uh, replies. But why is it that humans are so, I don't want to say negative, but like drawn to negativity? Why is that? You know, and I, I remember reading, I remember reading somewhere and I have to, I'll have to pull it up, right? Because I think Mm -hmm. you You'll think it's interesting too. I remember reading that uh, something about our brain giving more attention to negative experiences over positive ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, it tried to go back. They they tried to go back to like uh, from an evolutionary perspective that negative events are um, somehow dangerous, right? And mm-hmm. so they're more important to us. Um, so like our brain kind of alerts itself to like threats in the environment and things like that, right? So that's, um, and then we also, and I've noticed this even, even as a parent myself, um, we tend to point out the negative in one another, right? We, we were trying to point out our kids where they went wrong to try to steer them in the right path uh, instead of, you know, celebrating their strengths. Well, you know, making mention of, you know, where they could, the areas that they can work on and stuff like that. So we're, yeah. we're getting this this reinforcement of the negative through our childhood um, in school because they don't really point out a lot of the great things. It's a lot of, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, this is where you messed up. Um, and then in the workplace, you know, yeah, we have our performance reviews and, you know, we get the great stuff, but they focus on the negative. Like, this is where you need to improve. This is where you need to improve. Um, mm. And then the same thing happens when we look out into the world around us. We're looking at all the crap that makes – essentially makes us feel better about ourselves, right? Yeah. Because we, we see the things that people are saying that they're doing and we get to pass judgment on them and it kind of feels good in the moment to be 
be able to impart some sort of wisdom on other people and, and, you know, make these comments and feel like we know more about, or, um, there's this, you know, there's ego involved. Um, it's a lot. It's, it's all, it's, it's our environment all around us that I think shapes us to, and as well as biology that shapes us Mm -hmm. into these beings that focus so much on the negative as opposed to trying to focus on the positive, invite more positive and create more positive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it sounds like from what you you were explaining, it sounds like it's like a defense mechanism. Right. Right. And like how much better I know, you know, like at work, you have the reviews and performance reviews and they focus on, you know, what you need to do better on. Right. Um, like, but how much is, I don't know what, how much are we going to keep pushing ourselves? Like, you know, I push myself because let me talk about side of mine. I want to build, I want to build like the mental, like the Google for mental health. That's what I want side of mine to be in 20 years. Right. But I, I try to focus on what I'm doing right than what I'm doing wrong. If I do something wrong or something doesn't work out, I'll acknowledge it, but then it's gone. But I focus on what, what I'm doing right because it keeps me it keeps me going and driven, but in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Why don't companies understand that? Like, instead of focusing on, you know, all right, you did this, this, you have to do this better or push you more. How do we start implementing these things at companies? I guess we go back again to the conversation thing. It's like, yeah, it always <laughs> goes back to the conversation, you know. Um, and there are a lot of studies out there about the the benefits of like a strength uh, based approach to everything, to you know. Um, manage to being a supervisor to um being a therapist to being a parent um there's a lot of benefits to being a strength to having or taking a strength-based approach um but it's all about having those conversations and increasing awareness and looking at the numbers because there's numbers out there if you look at if you if you look at the research there's numbers out there that that show and suggest that a strength-based perspective a strength-based approach even in the workplace um, mm-hmm. It does amazing things for morale, for rapport b- between colleagues, and for for performance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some but, places, I I will say, some some um, organizations, some companies, they do reward um, reward you for good work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, incentives for you know performance based incentives and things like that. Some people yeah. get uh, bonuses and stuff like that. So it's not just that every company um but i i think a lot of us can attest to working at least for one employer where we didn't feel like the good really mattered yeah i i definitely can so when this is this just gave me an idea when um when when we raise funding for santa mine or we're making generating revenue i'm gonna hire you so you could you could head this whole department of <laughs> <laughs> set the incentives and we're gonna do strength-based performance reviews and all that stuff. So that's going to be your role. Okay. Okay. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so how can, how can we be more positive or look at the bright side of things without, without like the woo woo stuff, like, Oh, just read, read the, um, what do you call that? I forgot the name of that book that everybody, the law of attraction. Like I don't, yeah, right. I don't believe in that stuff. You know, you say it and it comes, you have to say it and you have to work and then it comes. But how, how can we be more positive in our daily lives uh, and just try to acknowledge what's negative because you have to, but, you know, understand that mm-hmm. you can be positive or like, how, how do we get those? I can't explain. It. I guess, you know, how you go to gym to get muscles or you lift weights. How do we become more positive? What do we have to do? What are the, the, the steps to to take? So it's the same. So like if you're thinking about preventing um, heart disease and preventing uh, diabetes, things like that, you take proactive steps, right? You adjust your diet, exercise, um, your mindset about what you're putting in your body. Um, just try to take care of yourself, right? So you also mm-hmm. have to take a proactive effort because the, the whole like, constant negative like feedback loop that goes on where you know we we focus on it and you know we have a hard time kind of getting out of the, the negative we think about it we talk about it it's just about our life, part of our lives mm-hmm. um we have to take proactive efforts to do things that'll change that perspective we have to counteract the negative thoughts 
we have to try to reframe the situation. You have to try to find a way that the negative situation, the negative aspect of the situation, how it's actually beneficial. What are, what can Mm. you learn from the situation? What did you learn about yourself? Um, what happened as a result? Um, you know, uh, how can you, you change it the next time what's something different that you can do the next time kind of finding a way to like reinterpret the message Mm -hmm. instead of listening only to the negative message try to find the positive like well what did I learn from this Uh, sometimes it's just learning that you need to cut somebody off Um, (laughs) it's just learning that you need to you need to cut ties with someone or something Um, but there's a there's a message there I learned that this this relationship is not good for me it's not it's not aiding me. I'm not growing in any way as a result of it. Uh, so I, I learned from this situation. Yes, it hurt. But what I learned was I need to take the steps now to walk away from this as an example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's all about reframing and finding the positive. And there's, there's always something that you, you can learn from every situation. Um, it may take some time. It may take some, you may have to pause. You may have to put it on the back burner for a little while. Sometimes the message just pops up out of nowhere <laughs> when you're not mm-hmm. even trying to work on it. Um, yeah. But it's about finding what you gained from that situation. Finding, yeah. you know, just reframing the whole, whole thing, changing the perspective, flipping it on its side and seeing what came out of the whole situation, the lesson that you learned. And taking that away, have that be the takeaway as opposed to all the hurt that came along with it. Yeah, and and in my experience, it's also about, you know, you have to, first you have to be actually mindful of of that. You have to do this stuff, you know, because we kind of go through life and, you know, like life passes us because we're not, I guess, practicing mindfulness, you know, like Mm -hmm, being mm -hmm, in the moment. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you have to be mindful in these moments and tell in that little space between, you know, the like uh be right before you react to think about it and say tell yourself something all right let me just reframe this or what can i learn from this and i actually i've actually learned a lot in the past like three years but more so the past two years about mindfulness and how not reacting and just that split second think about it before i react right and like you said about reframing you know, reframing the negative thought, because a lot of times, even with this podcast, when I when I put it out there and I post it on social media, I'll say, oh, you know, this is my, this is the, I'm new to this podcasting thing. Uh, it's rough around the edges. I'm like I'm saying negative things because I'm afraid what people are going to think. I should just put it out there and not say anything. I should say, hey, there's great information here. I'm having fun. But it's like it's like second nature that something negative comes out. But, you know, I started thinking like, OK, you know. Let me not write that. Let let people tell me, oh, you know, this it kind of sucked or you can do better here instead of me telling myself and telling others that, you know, it sucks. Right. Well, I mean, you touched on it earlier, right? You said you had said that you thought that I had done the, the whole public speaking gig before. And I yeah. never have. I absolutely public speaking, things <laughs> like that. Dry, I mean, they're the most anxiety provoking situations, experiences ever <laughs> you know it's so bad i i think about the most like i thought about this this phone call between us i think since you mentioned it to me you know uh, <laughs> but i took the leap when when the opportunity presented itself when we uh came across each other i think it was on was it on instagram um yeah. i took the leap and then i didn't allow myself to have that conversation where i was saying you know, oh, Tammy, you messed up on that word or you did this or maybe you should have added that. Oh, you forgot to, to mention this. Um, I kind of just put it out there, you know, and I've shared it with a, with some friends and, and some people that I find very close. You know, I, I, I think are the closest, my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I didn't I didn't apologize because that's one thing that I do. I apologize apologize ahead of time. Like, hey, I'm excuse the times that I messed up. Excuse. I don't I I done my best in this situation not to do that because like, hey, yeah. uh, I want you to listen to something that I put out there uh, let me know your thoughts and just left it at that um, <laughs> yeah. it's, then it's been a more positive experience because a they don't have they don't feel the need to kind of make me feel better about it you know mm-hmm. um, and they feel okay just saying like hey did you think about mentioning this and no or 
yeah, I did after I sent it out there. I thought about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, and it's been a more positive experience just leaving it at the positive. Like, hey, I thought this would be really useful. Listen to it, you know, and just put yeah. it out there. I think you're, you're doing, I said, me personally, I think you're doing great, especially for someone that's just jumped into this. And you just, you took a leap, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And with confidence and, yeah, don't apologize. You're doing great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I remember the, the first, I think the first uh, segment you sent me was, do you give too many fucks? Yeah. And so I, you said, oh, can, is cursing it okay? I was like, yeah, this is real stuff. And I heard it and I was, and I was like, wait, has she done this before? And I asked you, I was like, have you done this before? I said, we got to get you your own show on, on the app <laughs> because this, this stuff is amazing. And like, I, I'll get emails and I, I should, I should ask if I can like forward them to you, but I, I did forward you one because um, she said it was okay and she's, she's actually a therapist, so I thought it was really cool. Right. But she said like it's her favorite show and I was like, wow. I said, yeah, it's my favorite too. But yeah, you see that, that, that stuff to me is cool because she's in Omaha, Nebraska. You're in Florida. You know, if you've, if you've never put anything out, you guys, you know, she would have never known who you are. Right. She would have never heard how good you are. So like I have fun and I enjoy like, you know, there have been new therapists that have met each other because, because I'm doing Santa Mine. And I, that really makes me, that really makes me happy. That's my, that's my little selfish thing about this thing. Right. And, and it's, it's great. Like, and, you know, me asking about when I asked, is, is profanity okay? Because I, you know, I know a lot of therapists are very uh, reserved, um, you know, and we don't self-disclose a lot and things like that. But mm-hmm. I, I like to keep it real you know I like to meet people where they're at I don't mm-hmm. like using a lot of technical terms and you know um, making it more confusing mm-hmm. it needs yeah. to be easy to understand you know what I mean I you don't need to have a degree to understand the concepts that we're exploring and mm-hmm. we're exploring very heavy concepts in therapy um, but it doesn't need to feel that way you know what I mean yeah. um, so I try and I hope that I hope that in my reco- in my segments and um, and, and today on the call, like, I, I hope that I express myself in a way that's really easy, really relatable. Um, you know, that it doesn't you do. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I, just, I've I, heard I, your, I just, it needs to be comfortable. Like I even play it for anybody I know or friends when, you know, I t- tell them about Santa mine and I say, listen to some content. I always direct them to you first. And oh. also when, when I just, you know, I, I told you through text or something about the opportunity that's that's coming for us in Santa Mine. Right. Um, I don't want to disclose it here yet until it's like 100%, but right. it's it's like 99%. But as soon as they told me that, I said, oh, my God, I'm going to put Tuesdays with Tammy up. It's going to be the biggest thing. She's going to be a sensation in America. Like, Because <laughs> I, I love your show. It's, it comes out so natural. The, the energy that comes off, like it makes me happy. It, it gets me pumped up listening to it. You tell a story, you tell a story about yourself, you personalize it, you open, there's a plot, and then you close. Like, it's, I get goosebumps right now just talking about it. I really get goosebumps. And when I listen to it, I'm like, wow, I can't believe, like, there's a hit, there's a, a hidden talent that is exposed now. And I think, you know, like, you should be, like, on stages and on radio and on TV because of that. And I hope one day you are. Well, we'll, we'll see. Um, but honestly, every, I think every, every segment that I put out, um, there is a personal part to it. There, there's mm-hmm. a personal connection to, to each segment that goes out. Um, and it's either from personal experience or from, you know, being like secondhand experience where I saw someone go through it. Um, my clients, things like that. I carry those things with me. Um, and I realized, you know, their story, it's not just theirs. There are other people that are experiencing the same things and need to hear the same message. And I'm not going to lie. There are days where I go back through, you know, I I get on the app. Uh, I Mm -hmm. listen to some of the content from um, some of the other therapists. And sometimes I listen to a couple of my own um, segments, just like, Tammy, you need to remember this, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, because just like everyone else. Yeah, I may I may have education. I may be um, trained and I may be a mental health professional, but I have my days where I have to I have to really dig deep you know, and pull those tools out and remember how to use them. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, th- this takes me to something that I've been thinking about as well. Again, with social media, because that's where I live. I, right. That's where a lot of people live now. 
but with with triggers and I really want to get into this so let let me just let me just ask you because i I kind of know what it is from just looking at people who write stuff on social media, but what is a trigger so a trigger is anything that kind of sets off uh, like a memory or a flashback or an emotional state it's a reminder of some sort of Path, uh, negative experience, um, or it's something that uh, that causes the onset of uh, a repetitive behavior that you have, like let's say substance abuse and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that's either a reminder, an emotional, you know, that that switch. It's that that essentially um, flip to the on position and mm-hmm. takes you back to a place, um, and usually a place that you don't want to be. Okay, that's it. So. So that, that's kind of what I was I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm glad you cleared it up and, you know, for anyone that's listening so they can understand what it is. And, okay, so on on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, many YouTube, some people put trigger warnings and some people don't. Uh, and when they, when they don't, people really get upset and they get mad. Now, who, who, who has the responsibility to warn people like is the responsibility on the person posting or is the responsibility on the person scrolling like who 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 has who holds the responsibility here i think it's twofold i think that um if you're putting information out there um we should all be mindful and we're talking about being mindful right and and you know you mentioned you know being aware of what's going on in the moment um, it's also crucial to be aware of, of uh, that ripple effect that your your actions take. It's I I try to think about okay how can this be perceived you know what negative effects can this have you know what ripple can I and it's funny that you mentioned ripples because that's something that I use with my kids all the time. Everything we do, every action is like a, a drop in a body of water and there's a ripple. It affects mm-hmm. someone, you know, it affects us, it affects other people around us. So it's really important. It's crucial for those of us that are posting um, and disseminating information into the world to be aware of the potential hazard of, hazardous effects and consequences of what we're doing. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just don't know. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know that yeah. what we're doing could cause harm. So in knowing that now us as the consumers of this information, we have to be aware of that. Not everyone, you know, has the insight and is aware that they should probably, you know, have a disclaimer and say, hey, you know, we're touching on some really uh, sensitive topics. And, you know, if you have an aversion or have personal issues with that, 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 you know, you should probably not continue reading or you shouldn't listen or, you know, whatever the the case. So it's twofold. It's being aware Mm -hmm. of what you're putting out there and then being aware that not everyone is aware of what they're putting out there. um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That's that's a great answer, and I love that you said it's twofold because, as as humans living on Earth, I I always believe that we should be working together. You know, right. we live on this Earth together, so we should we might as well work together. So I love that you said it's twofold, uh, because you know I and then uh, the other part I love that you said is on the person scrolling. You know, if they do see something, to just you know just keep it moving or like don't don't read the entire thing or look into the into the post because I see I'm guessing a lot of people do and then they're angry so they leave a nasty message and then that just keeps going those those the replies and nobody's helping that situation then it goes back again to that negativity thing we right. spoke of before so it's right. like it's, it's 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 and I I don't know it's just social media nowadays you know it's it's opened up like a can of worms where everybody can can you know talk to each other or have an opinion on something and it's good and bad but that i don't want to get into the whole social media thing because <laughs> i've already touched upon that and then we could be here for another hour oh yeah definitely yeah no, it's it's just yeah it's really important i think the main message regarding triggers be aware of what you're putting out there and be aware that not everyone you know is aware or cares enough to um put a disclaimer out there a warning you know a red flag like hey don't don't proceed do not proceed proceed with caution mm-hmm. um and i think we should always proceed with caution whenever we're um you know 
consuming information in social media or, you know, any. Hello? You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. I thought I lost yeah. you for a second. All right. So uh, I do. So we talk, we spoke about a lot. We spoke about Talkspace and we spoke about, of course, right through in Sandomine because this is the Sandomine podcast experience. Right. What do you, you know, I'm, I'm working on Sandomine and I'm looking at all the other companies and anybody doing something in mental health or, you know, on, on, in tech. What do you think is the future of therapy? What do I think? I think that I think therapy is going to become it's going to become like a fast food <laughs> situation. We're I think we're all going to at some point have been touched by I experienced uh, some sort of therapy. Uh, um, I think workplaces are going to start incorporating some sort of, because uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of places utilize like employee assistance programs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think the conversation is going in the right direction. I think therapy is going to be very commonplace. And um, I'm hoping it doesn't become a situation where it becomes a crutch. Cause I do, I, I can see that happening. Um, mm-hmm. But I do feel like the stigma is going to start to fall away uh, regarding um, facing mental health-related issues and crises and things like that. Um, And I think it's going to be a situation where almost every family in America is going to have experience with um, one-on-one experience with a therapist of their own. Yeah, I I really, I love that. And I've been saying it since I've been thinking about you know, starting Santa Mine like four years ago, five years ago, whatever. I've been saying like, oh, we're at the infancy of like this whole mental health boom. And, you know, I've been seeing it since when I started thinking about it, like really, I guess, sprouting. And, you know, it's getting bigger and bigger because of the Internet as well. Right. And I'm, I'm also excited to see where it goes. And I hope that Santa Mine is at the forefront of the movement. Because we are trying to work with therapists and put people in therapy and not, you know, take them out of therapy and just, you know, give them a chatbot or something. Right. No, definitely. Definitely. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing resource. Um, I do recommend it. I do recommend it to to clients to be able to uh, go on there and access and pull things from here or there. Um, Just like useful tools to remind them you know, mm-hmm. of the, of the work that we're doing and things like that. So it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't, I'm not aware of other um, resources like this where, you know, mm-hmm. professionals just as such as myself are able to contribute content like this um, and feel so connected to, you know, to you. Cause it, it's not yeah. like we're dealing with this team of, or just like this generic, email response it's nice to have a person to yeah. kind of bounce things off of and and, and you know collaborate on things and, yeah and i is i think it's yeah and I, I i that's that's actually the most exciting part for me i had fun collaborating with you and everyone else on you know topic ideas or you know now starting to create like shows and segments yeah. and series like i'm i'm it feels like a it feels like a Netflix for mental health in audio version. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's awesome, and that's what I said. It's it, it's going to be mental health related services and resources are going to be so commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping Santa Mind is one of those places where people definitely know. Hey, I can always find something useful there. Yeah, it will be. It will be. Oh, it is already. It is already. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that that uh, I don't want to keep you longer, but uh, I I really had a a great time speaking with you. We've only we've only texted and emailed and Instagram DM. So um, yeah, it's been exciting and fun speaking to you today. And thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today because I know you you, know, you, you work a lot. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll uh, speak to you soon. Yes, sir. I look forward. Oh wait, one more thing. Where uh-huh. can everybody find you? Where can everyone find me? All right. So, um, uh, my private practice, it's, uh, uh, anchored hope. That's where you can find my, my, um, my private practice information. I'm at Tammy.Muhammad.LMHC on Instagram. 
Um, and on Instagram, you can find the li links to um, a blog that I'm working on, um, my clinical supervision uh, site, which is um, flclinicalsupervisor.eu uh, for clinical supervision. Mm -hmm. And um, you can also find me on Talkspace. You can look me up. Um, it's It'll be under Tamara Muhammad. And um, you can utilize, uh, you can get services from me there as well. All right. Awesome. So I'll put that also in the, in the notes. And uh, yeah, so thanks again. Speak to you no soon. No problem. Yeah, same here. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.